Good afternoon. Good afternoon and good afternoon. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Ask Sharifa Videocast and Podcast. I have a very special guest for you today, Miss Danielle Radin of CBS LA. She's a correspondent and we're going to sit down and have a little chat with her and see what's going on in her world. Good afternoon, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. How are you? I'm excited. I'm excited. This is a wonderful opportunity. Not many of us um, get to chat with you. Usually you have the microphone, you're speaking. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I have been a TV reporter for about 10 years now. Um, so I've reported all over California from uh, Northern California, Redding, Eureka, San Francisco, down to San Diego. And now I am at CBS LA. Um, I am doing a lot of interviews, which have really changed during the quarantine. You know, we used to do man on the street interviews with uh, you and a microphone. And it's since changed to a lot of different Zoom interviews and and new methods to do the news. Um, a lot of us are doing it from our living rooms during the pandemic, which is very interesting um, instead of in the studio. And it's just a, a really interesting uh, career in the sense that you're constantly meeting new people. You are telling their stories. Every day you get to be an expert on something new. It just really depends on what's happening in the news. Um, and I've been a, a multimedia journalist most of my career. So that means I am filming my own news segments, editing it myself, and kind of having full creative control in that sense. So it, it's actually a very creative role. A lot of people don't know. Um, and it's, it's a real passion. Um, it's something that I look forward to um, going to work every day and you know, being able to tell people's stories. So it's it's been a really fun career. Mm, I can imagine. That's one of the things that I enjoy, being able to tell people's stories. Now, I have a cousin who is a major news reporter in Columbus, Ohio. He's, you know, around my age, but I remember him being nine years old. He would walk around the house and he would interview people with a spoon and ask them questions. So everyone knew, he knew that this is all he ever wanted to do. What made you decide to go into news? Um, I was always writing from a young age. Um, I actually wanted to be an author when I was growing up. I think the Harry Potter books got me really into that when I was 11. Um, and then I, I started just responding to Craigslist ads um, for newspapers that wanted freelance content when I was a teenager. I just kind of mm -hmm. did that on my own. Um, and then as I got into college, I started to realize that not a lot of people were reading newspapers anymore. It was kind of at the intersection where we were going towards digital news, but not mm -hmm. quite there yet. I don't want to give away my age, uh, but um, so I, I started to get more into broadcast because I noticed that more people were looking at broadcast news as opposed to newspapers. Um, mm -hmm. And then I uh, sent my demo reel, which is just me on camera, out to 300 stations across the U.S. and got rejected 300 times. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. Perfect. One hundred percent. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> but I just kept going. I um, got some mentors. I did internships at San Francisco stations and asked them to to help me refine what I was doing and and then finally started to get some job offers thought I'd have to go to Idaho for a little bit but was luckily uh, able to spend all of my career in California and, and um, yeah I just I just never gave up on it even though I probably should have at some point <laughs> with no, 300 rejections. CBS uh, LA, you know, if you would have given up, you never would have wound up there. Yes, that's true. And it, it was always the dream to go to LA. I'm, I'm from LA and my family lives here. And, um, and it, it's, it's just been um, so great to be able to report in my hometown. Mm -hmm. Wow. Amazing. Now my cousin, again, to reference him, he's amazing, but we always have this conversation. He says, news reporters are always looking for news. They walk around, leave their business cards everywhere, trying to find a hot story. But on the other end, people like myself, people like our viewers are always trying to get your attention. They're trying to jump up and down and say, Hey, Danielle, notice me, notice me. But yet you're always looking for the stories. What are some of the things that interest you? Yeah, you know, um, I do get a lot of pitches from uh, marketers saying, we have this great new product you're going to love. You got to put it on the news. We have this new musician. He's got to go on the news. And it's got to have a news angle. That's what mm -hmm. I always tell them, you know. So um, I'm general assignment, which means whatever's happening that day. And it has to be something that is newsworthy. So for example, you have your hard news. We've been covering COVID nonstop. There's, if there's a wildfire, of course, we're going to cover that. But um, I always tell people who want to get the attention of news reporters, if you have a cool product, what is a way that would make it timely and make it interesting in the context of current events that a news reporter would want to cover? Because it's one thing to say, I have this new lipstick. That's uh, not necessarily a news reporter's job to promote. That's, you know, a commercial or something like that. Now, if right. you have this new lipstick and all of the proceeds are going to help the homeless population in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. that's something that's really newsworthy. That's helping the community. That's something that we can report on. Um, so I, I always tell people just try to put an angle on it that would, uh, grab a reporter's attention in the sense of what is the headline going to be, mm -hmm. you know, what's so great about this product and how is it helping the community and how is it something that our viewership would want to know about? Mm -hmm. Now you've been doing this for some time and you've probably seen a lot of different headlines. Is there an example or story that you can think of where you were really impressed or really blown away? Like, wow, I have to cover this story. You went out, you covered it and it really affected you, changed your life or just memorable to you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime that um, someone is doing something to benefit the community, it is really impactful. Um, I particularly like when kids are helping their communities. Um, if, you know, if there are kids that are, for example, um, there was one child that was raising money so that his 
um, other fellow students could get school lunches because um, oh, wow. he saw that they couldn't afford school lunches. And he decided to um, he was selling stickers to raise money for that, you know, so something that really um, benefits people in the community. And um, and then on top of that, just, I've you know, I've covered um, earthquake victims, fire victims, um, anything under the sun that you could imagine. Um, and it really does impact you. It, it stays with you for a long time when you talk to those survivors and, and hear their stories and realize um, the lessons that they learned from tragedies and how positive they remain after mm -hmm. that. Um, and then just, you know, all this, um, the community really coming together during COVID and helping each other out so that we can make this pandemic go away um, is, is remarkable. Um, and I think that even though we've been so isolated and in quarantine, uh, we're actually more connected through, you know, the, the kind deeds that I've been seeing people do in the news. So, yeah. Mm. Yes. And I, I completely agree. I remember interviewing one young lady on the show and she shared the story. She had read a story of a, a lady who had went around her neighborhood and she passed out flyers and said, I'm here if you need help, if you need someone to go to the grocery store, especially for senior citizens, just give me a call. So this lady said, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing. So she typed up the paper, put her phone number and distributed it around her, her neighborhood. And what she found was she did not receive one phone call from anyone that said, I need help. But she received multiple phone calls from people who said, well, I've been living across the street for years and I never knew you were there. I'm over here and I, I'm glad to get to know you. So people were communicating more. They were just having conversations. I talk about my brother. My brother lives in Australia. We could obviously always been on the phone. But as a result of this pandemic, we started having weekly phone calls where we just caught up with each other and spoke to each other. And it's those human interest stories that I think reporters focus on. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You want to um, have a story that does capture the human spirit because there's a lot of bad things that happen in the news. And I hear it time and time again. People say, I don't watch the news. It's too depressing, you know. Right. And I mean, that that makes you jaded as a person as well, covering it day after day. You know, we we find it depressing, too, when you're covering that bad stuff. So when you get those stories of the human spirit, um, like just really reaching out to their fellow people during a crisis. It's really something that is, is beautiful to see. So how do you stay or stop from being depressed? How do you stay happy and bubbly? You talk about the tragedies, going out, covering the fire, going out and cover COVID cases. How do you stop from being depressed or keep from being depressed? Well, I, I really believe that the uh, job of a news reporter is essential um, in the sense that you're getting information out to the public that they need. Mm -hmm. um, even down to in L.A., it was raining and there were horrible mudslides all last week. And when you get that information out to someone, that affects their commute, their day, how they're going to plan their week. Um, and time and time again, you're getting that crucial information directly to the person. And so, you know, bad 
things happen. That's, that's part of the job. Um, but you are navigating through that as a, a path of information for these people that need that information. So I, I kind of just think of it that way and, and try not to focus on the, the sad part so much. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that others have seen is with COVID and everything that's going on with COVID, some people consider this as being one of our most divided times in history ever. You have the battle between the maskers and the non-maskers and the vaccinated and non-vaccinated, and everybody has the absolute truth, their absolute truth of what to do. Do you ever find it difficult to report the news when you may sometimes or you know disagree with the information or have a different perspective on the information? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it's made my job harder just in the sense of getting people to talk to me. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, when I first started as a reporter, you know, I was working for a ABC affiliate and people were really excited. Oh, the TV news, I'm gonna be on TV. You know, they, they loved it. Well, it's shifted since then to well, you're fake news. I don't want to talk to you. Right. Um, right. And so that makes my job a lot harder, especially when I have deadlines that I need to adhere to. I need to talk to five people by four o'clock and nobody wants to talk to me. And it didn't used to be like that. Um, that makes it harder. Now, as as far as bias within the news, I always tell people as a local news reporter. I, I don't care what your opinion is one way or another. I'm just trying to get the facts out there. I don't get a pay raise if I change your opinion on something, you know? Um, and I have my personal opinions, but they really don't matter in the sense mm -hmm. of getting the facts out to you in the most efficient and quickest way possible. Um, so I always try to keep my biases to myself and try to remain professional. Some reporters don't. And then mm -hmm. some other, you know, commentators, it's their job to change your opinion, like on a mm -hmm. CNN or a Fox or something like that. But as far as local news, I, I tell people that you can you can trust local news still, maybe not national news. Maybe that's become extremely biased. But <laughs> local news, we're just trying to get the information to you. Uh, mm -hmm. most of the time. So yeah, it's I've definitely seen a shift in people's perspective of the news, which definitely makes my job harder. <laughs> right. Fake news, fake news. That, that expression became very common during the presidential elections. Everything was fake news. But then you have this transition. You go into a global pandemic. You're now on Zoom. Was that an adjustment for you as opposed to being out, being able to talk, being able to reach, being able to connect with people as opposed to just sitting in front of your computer screen? Yeah, it was it was such an adjustment at first, because when you have that one on one time, um, you know, especially when you when you set up an interview with someone, you're invited into their home, um, you're talking to them in person and you're getting that emotion from them that you just can't get over Zoom. Um, it's a lot less personal than it used to be. Um, at the same time, it's a positive because you can interview a lot more people than you could before. You know, I could interview a doctor on the East Coast now that I didn't have access to before this whole shift to the Zoom interviews. Mm -hmm. So it has its pros and cons. Are you still doing interviews via Zoom? 
I am. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Are you looking forward to being back out in the field? Um, yes, in a, in a safe way. I think that it's getting to the point now where it is safe. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's okay to interview people in person. And a lot of reporters do. It's really just what you're comfortable with and what your station rules are. So yeah, definitely. You're just not there yet. Now, as a news reporter, and you talk about a lot of people wanting to speak to you, then other people saying, no, that's fake news. I don't want to have a conversation. Do you ever think about anyone that you just would love to interview? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I would like to interview every president that ever was. Uh, that would be interesting. All of them? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> You're not picking favorites. I don't know who a favorite might be, but I mean, the, all, the whole list. The whole the list. Business? Living and dead. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever interviewed Bill Clinton because he was in Redding, California. Uh, okay. But but yeah, you know, presidents, um, I'd love to interview some of my um people that I love as a reporter. I think it would be interesting, like uh, Barbara Walters or mm -hmm. um, like a Diane Sawyer. I, I got to interview Lester Holt one time. That was really cool. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, he was really nice. Um, and and then President Clinton. Oh, he came to um, Reading to campaign for Hillary during the election. Okay. Okay. Um, and I got to ask him some questions about the drought. Okay. So, cause that was a big issue at the time. So that, that was really interesting. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's funny when you, when you interview politicians, even like a mayor or a Senator, because, uh, it's kind of like, what are you really thinking? <laughs> <laughs> No, I know exactly what you mean. I have friends that are not even in politics. And I will say, you just gave me that politically correct answer, that safe answer. I don't, I don't want the politically correct answer. I want the hard truth, the hidden right. truth. So yeah. not the safe answer. Yeah. And you're never going to catch those people off guard. So. No, <laughs> well, don't, don't even try. Don't yeah. even try. But it seems like you have an interest in speaking to, to politicians and getting into politics. I want to go back to this interview because I'm just in awe of being able to sit down and speak with President Clinton. Before you had this interview, was there a list of do not answer, ask these questions or these are the pre-approved questions? How does that work? So if it's a if it's a sitting president absolutely you only have certain questions that you can ask you can't go off script or anything um in the case of bill clinton it was kind of like a free-for-all he okay. just there were just all these reporters um asking him questions and um i was able to ask the questions in that in that situation um if you have a a sit-down interview it, it really just depends on the person's publicist if they're not a sitting president Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you might have to adhere to a very strict script or you might be able to ask them certain general topics, but I'm not going to give you the exact question. Okay. So, yeah, it, it really just depends on the person, to be honest. Do you ever feel like you want to ask a question to anybody? It doesn't have to be a president, Bill Clinton, anything where you just like, I, I want to ask this question, but I don't know if it's appropriate or I don't know if it crosses the line. Oh, yeah. And so I just leave that question for the end. 
She's like, I got two seconds left anyway. I might as well yeah. go. It might end the question. But yeah. have you ever just asked it? Like, what is one question you were like, okay, they didn't see that coming? <laughs> I would give you a minute to think because this is fun. It, to be able to interview an interviewer. You know, that is yeah. incredible because what you're doing is something that I've always dreamed of doing. It's the ideal opportunity to sit with people and just that's why I host my shows, because I can ask whatever it is that comes to mind. And so some people have to be careful. Yeah, I mean, um, I've I've definitely not with presidents or anything, but just in general interviewing people, I, I have. Um, asked a question that maybe made the person uncomfortable or they felt was too personal or, or they said something like, why would you ask that? You know? Um, and, and that is definitely something that you have to cope with um, as a reporter, because you, you want to get the story, but you also have to be empathetic as a person and understand that this is a fellow person that you're interviewing and they have a right to a certain amount of privacy. Um, but if it's a very important piece of information for the story, then I'll just ask it and say like, Hey, this is very important for our viewers to know for X, Y, and Z reason. And then they can have a decision at that point, whether or not, um, that's something that they are going to answer. And if they don't feel comfortable answering it, they can just say, I'm not going to answer that. And, and we move on from there, but. Luckily, I've never had someone just up and leave from an interview, Jerry Springer style, or trying to throw a chair at me or something. That's a whole different show. That's not CBS LA. Yeah. I don't know. But sometimes those are the best shows. I like Jerry right. Springer. I actually more Maury Povich than Jerry Springer. But it's just the idea of getting to the truth. I want the truth. And so often speaking of publicists, they, you know, they give them information. It's, it's so scripted. This is what you need to answer. This is what you need to say. And sometimes those scripted answers don't get to the heart or to the truth of what people want to know. And so it must be interesting to sit in your chair and to be able to make that determination. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a publicist's dream to go to a reporter and say, here are all the questions and these are the exact answers and this is what they're going to say and this is what you're going to ask. But that's not how it goes. <laughs> you know, a lot of the time, like there's uh, there's certain questions that need to be answered that might not be the easiest to answer. I mean, one example that comes to mind is um, covering things as they open back up, like a music festival, for example. Well, the um, the organizers of the music festival want the promotion of being on the news. Oh, come to our music festival. Everyone should come buy tickets. Well, I'm wondering, what are your COVID protocols? Um, right. What was the outbreak numbers at the festival last year compared to this year? And those hard numbers that they don't want to answer, but are important for people who are trying to make a decision of if they should go there or not. So sometimes there's definitely some pushback when the publicist wants what you might call a fluff piece. Right. Uh, but we don't, we don't adhere to that, you know, because again, <laughs> we're not a commercial or <laughs> the news. Right. So. right. Now, 
let's go a different direction during this pandemic. One industry that people speak a lot about is restaurants, you know, and how the restaurants have been affected by COVID. Are there stories or restaurants that stand out to you that you were able to shine a spotlight on during this pandemic? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I interviewed a lot of restaurants. Um, part of my time during the pandemic was down in San Diego and just so many restaurant owners struggling to get through the pandemic. Um, and not only that, struggling with the after effects of meat prices increasing, you know, um, right. I had one guy at a Mediterranean restaurant say, I, I can't afford chicken. Right. And if I put chicken on the menu, I have to change all my menus and that's $400 right there. And we're right. shut down. So how am I supposed to afford any of this? Um, restaurants having to completely throw out food that they couldn't use $15,000 worth of food sometimes. And then wow. building out these outdoor structures, you Cost. know, that costs a lot of money too, and they're not generating revenue. So I think restaurants got hit so hard uh, by the pandemic. And, and I appreciated the restaurant owners that were resilient through that and said, mm -hmm you know, I'm going to just push through this hurdle because mm -hmm. this is my restaurant. This is my passion. Um, and some of them did, you know, unfortunately have to shut down. Right. And a lot of them just switched up their entire business model to something that works. So, yeah, I was doing a lot of restaurants and small businesses, nail salons, hair salons that were really, you know, it, it was like, we're open this week, we're shut down. We're open right. today, now we're back shut down. So it was a crazy time. <laughs> These are the times we're living in. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I have a friend who owns a restaurant and she was telling me that a bottle of cooking oil prior to the pandemic was $8. That same bottle of cooking oil is now $32. So I mean, it's the same bottle, same size, same everything, but the prices have increased. Another friend of mine was in the grocery store and he was talking about a pack of bacon. And he says, it's like $14 or something for this pack of bacon. And he was like, okay, what has happened to the cost of pigs or hogs? You know, it's not like the pig was affected by the pandemic, but it's like you have to adjust one thing in order to cover another thing. This grocery store has employees. They had to do COVID pay and so many other expenses. And so, you know, the demand on products, people hoarding toilet tissue, paper towels, different things cost uh, inflation. So just the fact that they were able to make it through, I believe, is incredible. Yeah, that's true. It, it's like every single sector of the supply chain got hit in some way. And that reflects not only on the business owner, but the the customer too, right? Like, I, I don't know how many times I've been looking on Yelp and said, oh, I want to go to this restaurant because it says they have the best oysters. And then you get there, oh, we don't sell oysters anymore. We right. can't sell shellfish anymore. It's completely out of the question. Right. So it, it, it was every single person in the supply chain, including the customer, got affected. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just a matter of, yeah, like you said, how are you going to cope with that? 
Yes. I mean, I've went to two different restaurants where I was like, okay, you guys are kidding me. I went to my Subway. I love my Subway sandwiches. And not that I have stock or advertising in Subway, but I like Subway sandwiches. And I said, okay, may I have a, a roast beef sandwich? And they said, well, we don't have roast beef sandwiches. And I was like, okay, well, can I have a Philly cheesesteak sandwich? And they said, well, we don't have Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. I said, okay, what do you have? It's like, we have cold cut sandwiches. I'm like, okay, but this is Subway. <laughs> I need my sandwiches. And so I said, okay, so you're out today for today. And they said, no, because of the pandemic, they have reduced their menu. And I'm like, I can't even have a sandwich because of COVID. I, I can't even have a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Like life is hard where you can't have a simple sandwich. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll just go different day. I'll go to my favorite Chinese food store. Oh, I love me some egg foo young. I said, I ordered me some egg foo young. You know what they told me? Oh, we no longer offer egg foo young. I'm like, why? Because the the price of eggs, the cost of eggs has increased. So now I can't have a Philly cheesesteak sandwich. I can't have a beef sandwich. I can't even have egg foo young because these times that we're living in. Yeah, and it, it almost feels a little bit like a slap in the face, right? You, I mean, you don't blame the business owner, but it's like, right. oh my gosh, I've already adapted myself so much, and now I just want my roast beef sandwich, and I can't get that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things. But I know I, I've went. I always go off on tangents, you'll, so you'll get used to me. But I know one of the things that the viewers want to know is I want to go back to the little boy who was raising money for his. Um, fellow students. Mm -hmm. Now, I always see these human interest stories. Now, did the little boy, and not this specific person, because I don't want to talk about him, but just in general, is this a situation where he has a publicist or how would you find a story such as his? So a lot of times with these human interest stories, such as that one, it's on social media. Somebody posted on a Facebook group or on Twitter, like, look at what this little boy's doing. Here's his GoFundMe page. Um, you know, this is so heartwarming. And we have a team of people who are called assignment editors. Mm -hmm. And they are constantly monitoring social media, going through the news tips. Sometimes the 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 parent will write into the the news station and say, hey, look at what my son's doing. And we say, that's really cool. We're going to send a reporter out there. Um, so there's the assignment editors. There's our news tip section. And then there's reporters just living in the community. You know, maybe a, a neighbor mentions it to a reporter and then she says, that's a great story. I want to go cover that, pitches it to the news director um, or the news managers and then they give it the green light. So it really just depends. Um, there, when it's a when it's a random act of kindness like that, that's not an organized nonprofit. There tends to not be a publicist involved, unless it's just gotten so big. Um, for example, there was a there was another little boy that was collecting shoes um, for the community. And he collected so many shoes that it, it just kind of blew up and it got to the point where he did need like a publicist to kind of manage it and get more shoe donations and things like that. But that that's pretty rare. Most of the time it's word of mouth. Um, and if I encourage people, if there is a story like that of, 
of people doing good deeds in the community. I mean, like post it on a on a Facebook group or even send a tip to your favorite reporter on Twitter or something because we're always looking for those stories. So there is a good chance that it, it might be covered. One of the great ways I've seen to get media attention is to follow a specific reporter on Twitter. Even when speaking with different clients, that's one of the things that I suggest because it's easier. I won't use the word easy because that sounds a little manipulative, but you have to learn what this reporter is interested in. Like, for instance, I'm asking you all these random questions from all over the place. For all I know, you might be the sports reporter or the sports correspondent. <laughs> The person who's in charge of fishing, I don't know. I just <laughs> wanted to speak to you and see what you had going on. But to learn who they are, what they cover, what topics they have of interest, what articles they have done in the past. Is that something that you would recommend? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have, um, you know, people in the community that send me funny memes on Twitter and mm -hmm. then they have like a, a trash pickup they want me to cover. I'm more likely to be like, oh, there's Dale and his funny memes. Like I'm going to look at his message, you know? So definitely um, getting to know reporters on Twitter as much as you can. Don't harass them or anything because <laughs> I see some of that. Like don't, don't bombard them, but yeah, yeah. you know, be friendly with them and see what, what their interests are. I mean, we all have different interests. Some reporters are really into animal rights and they're a dog owner and, and telling them about a, a, a shelter event is more likely to have them pick it up um, mm -hmm. than maybe another reporter that's swamped with weather coverage or something like that. Oops. So what are you really into? Um, I, I do love animals. I, I tend to. <laughs> <laughs> I do tend to grab. Now I gotta go give me a dog. I gotta go down to adoption clinic. I gotta get this dog just for the day, right? Just for yeah. the day. Just yeah. so I can be like, Danielle, here's my dog. What a wonderful, <laughs> loving person I am with me and the dog. Take the, right. the, the Instagram photo. Next day, dog is gone. But I'm pretty yeah. sure people create these stories all the time. Yeah, do, do it for the gram. But maybe, you yes. know, make sure the dog has a good home after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it... it um. Actually, I have been doing a lot of um, small business stories recently. Mm -hmm. I am very interested in the small businesses and making sure that um, they are able to have more resources um, in any way possible because it is so hard to be a restaurant owner and a small business owner right now. Um, I gravitate towards the the stories that will um, impact the specific community I'm living in. Um, you know, within Los Angeles, you have your certain beats. Um, and so uh, what else? Just just different. We got to find Danielle's beat. We got to go to West Hollywood. I don't know. I just made that up. But I'm just telling you, we're going to go hang out in the neighborhood. We just go walk around. We just go hope Danielle sees us on her <laughs> beat as she's looking for news, passing out uh, business cards, as my cousin would say. But it's just interesting. I, To me, and this is just me, and, and I'm a weird person, but I always, when I watch the news, I always see the news correspondents doing some um, interesting things. One of my favorite shows, one of my favorite movies, I'm pretty sure you saw it, is Bruce Almighty. 
and he was covering some of the I'm like most random things. But it just seems was there any event or any um anything that you were like, this is the coolest moment ever? Oh yeah, I've um I've gotten to go up in a helicopter over fires. Um I've gotten I've gotten so close to wildfires that they burned my shoes. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, I've gotten to do a lot of different drone stuff, which is really cool. I've gotten to report on boats, um, on uh, rides, roller coasters, uh, you know, on horses, <laughs> live on wow. a horse, on a whole bunch of different stuff that makes you say, I would have never done this otherwise if it weren't for my job. And this is really cool. Yes, but I'm sure there are other experiences. Okay, so do you get your assignments basically for the week or for the day? I'm learning this whole process now because I'm pretty sure like for me, I'm not a horse person. I would be like, mm, that's too much like exercise. I'm not going to do that. But like, do you know in advance, okay, Danielle, on Thursday, you're going to be on a horse. Uh, it's it's never really in advance every now and then it can be in advance um but it's mostly day of and so i have gotten into situations where i come into work in a sundress because it's sunny in san diego and they say you're gonna go cover the snow and i'm like oh i'm gonna be really cold today <laughs> so I'm you kind of right back yeah you can you kind of do have to come into work with a bag of like gloves or a change of clothes or tennis shoes or because you never know what you're doing that day and when they say go do this you can't just be like mm, no i'm good like you have to do it yeah. <laughs> you know unless you unless it's a health issue or something but you basically yeah. have to. so yeah you just go that's probably why I can be a news correspondent because i'm like mm -mm, i don't know yeah. i don't really like heights i like my feet planted Right. right on the I don't like horses. I don't like, they'd be like, Sharifa, you got a list of what you don't like. You have to, you know, this is your job. This is what we pay you to do. I'm like, no, mm -mm. I, I do that. I don't think so. This is wonderful. I have learned so much from you. It has been an incredible experience. I know you're busy. I won't hold you for too long. But this is the part of the show where I always allow my guests the opportunity to speak directly to the audience, to everyone who was watching the show live, as well as everyone who was watching the archives, and let them know what you want them to take away from your appearance here today. Uh, I would like you to take away from this appearance that anyone is able to get on the news. If you have a passion or a product or a service or something, that you are passionate about and you feel like I need to get the word out there, but I don't know how. Uh, it's just all about your rhetoric. It's all about uh, sending that email in a way that captures someone's attention. What is great about your product that makes it different from everyone else's or your service? And why is it necessary that you tell people about it right now? What are the current relevant facts, news stories, events happening around you and your community that you tie into that would capture someone's attention who is trying to report on this community and be a an ear and an eye for people who live here. So just try to phrase uh, your news pitch 
the way that is more uh, uh, friendly to the mass audience and that really lets people know this is why I wake up every day and this is what's special to me and this is why it's going to be special to you too. And if you phrase it in a way that is more open-minded of the community around you, you're going to have really, really good luck getting people to also care about what you're doing. Mm, that is wonderful. And where can people tune in to watch you? Um, you can go to cbsla.com. If you're not in Los Angeles, I'm also on CBSN, which is our online digital network, or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Wonderful, wonderful. So I've learned a lot. I have a Black Chamber of Commerce Job Fair and Business Expo for June 11th. So now I know how to approach it to get the word out about creating jobs in the Long Beach area. So I'll keep all of your thoughts in mind. You have been an incredible guest sharing your information, sharing your stories. I am so honored to have you here. I want to thank you for being a guest on today's episode of Ask Sharifa Videocast. And I also want to thank everyone who tuned in to watch this show live, as well as every everyone who is watching it in the archives. I definitely appreciate your support. I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you sharing. But I definitely want you to go ahead and check out Danielle. She is amazing and she's giving of her time. But if you're interested in more ways that I can help your business or if you want to be a guest on Ask Sharifa Videocast, please visit my website at AskSharifa.com. Until next time, everyone have a safe and a blessed day. Bye now.